listening to Hope Alive, your number one online Christian radio station. It is eight minutes past seven and we are into the second half of the show. We're talking about what are your rights in the workplace, all things labor, labor rights, and I'm worth a lawyer. So we have a subject matter expert who's going to help us and break it down. And of course, we allow you to ask questions or if you have any concerns or you would like some advice, let us allow our lawyer to do so and give you that necessary advice. My people perish because of lack of knowledge. So we want to make sure we have the right knowledge so that we do not perish. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're ready for the second half of the show right here on The Feminine Touch. Of course, if you want to engage with us, these are the following platforms that you can do so. We are on Facebook. The handle is Hope Alive Radio Station. We're on Twitter. You can send us a tweet on Hope Alive underscore radio. And of course, if you want to send us a voice note or a message, you can use our WhatsApp line, which is 067-153-1089. You can also call in directly on 010-010-843. Good evening, Vusi. How are you doing? Good evening, Pumi. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Um, good. Um, just a little bit nervous to be here, but uh, let's roll. Let's see how far we can go. Absolutely. Now, I want to make sure I get my term right. You Are you an advocate? Are you an attorney? We want to address you accordingly. Uh, my name is Lucy. <laughs> 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 I'm joking, but uh, I'm an attorney. I'm not an advocate. You're an attorney. All right. What is the difference uh, before we we progress between an attorney and an advocate? Uh, In a nutshell, an advocate is uh, uh, expecting litigation. Mm -hmm. So they usually, uh, you find them in the high courts, but sometimes due to whatever reason, you can find them in the magistrate court. But in most cases, uh, you you are expected to find them in the high court. Mm. So the attorneys are technically the guys that do the background work. Mm. Uh, for example, if a client comes, uh, we'll do the paperwork, we'll do the drafting, the consulting, and when it's time to go to court, then you brief an advocate to do that, mm. uh, to go and litigate. So mm. technically, the work that you would have done for the client, then mm. you hand it over to an advocate. Mm. So that's mm. a simple, simple explanation I can definitely give. Uh, but yeah, there's so many pros and cons and issues around it. I like that explanation because it also gives us a good grounding in terms of as an attorney, you would need to do the research, you would need to do all of the reading. So we're in good hands tonight. Yeah, definitely. But both parties, even in the advocate, they do need to do research and based on the mm-hmm. case they're having to deal with. And also attorneys from certain points, they can go and appear at court. Uh, but with the with the with the high court, you need uh, the right of appearance, which you technically get uh, after two three years. If I mean to, I mean to say, for you to be able to appear the high court. But with an advocate, as soon as they are done uh, with the admission, technically they can go to the high court. All right. And how long have you been practicing as a lawyer? Uh, uh I've been in the game for like five years, but with my own firm, uh, it's almost three years now. Ladies and gentlemen, he has his own firm, a young man who is doing the right things, progressing in his career. Come on, we're going to give you a horn. We salute you. Hey, that is very, very impressive. And I love the fact that you, what made you say, I want to do this on my own? I want to start up my own law firm. I was a problem at work. Is it? Yeah, uh, I was a big problem. But I couldn't be fired in most cases because I knew what what I was doing. So Mm. they were always complaining, hey, I super realized, nah. Can't be an employee. I just can't. Just need to be an employer. Mm. Yeah, and but always enjoyed uh, making a difference. So I mm. felt like being at mm. work or working for someone does not give me room to to make a difference. And mm. Mm. yeah, I advocate for 
zero unemployment. So I wanted to be the other guy. I like that. You are the other guy. Now, l- when we talk about the workplace, you know, people are always very happy to get the contract, to get the call, to get the interview. But we have very little or not enough conversations about really what are your rights in the workplace? And this is quite broad, right? But what does it entail to say I have rights in the workplace? What does that mean? Uh, right, rights is technically the do what you need to do at work and the don't at the same time. Because mm-hmm. you must understand that being in a workplace is a relation between two people, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. employer and the employee. And those people have rights and they have limitations towards their rights. Mm. So it's just there to balance the two mm. for them to have a smooth relationship to, uh, during the existence of their relationship or during the existence of the contract mm-hmm. when one is working for the other or when one has employed the other person. Fantastic. Now, what happens, uh, Vusi, when you apply for a role? Do you have any rights when you're applying because you're just sending out CVs, but is there anything that is protecting you? Yeah, in terms of the Employment Equity Act, especially Section 6 of the Act, deals with the right of uh, people who are applying for jobs. Mm. This is to protect them from direct and indirect unfair discrimination mm. by the employer. Uh, Technically, it looks at the issues of race, gender, sex, pregnancy, HIV status, political opinion, culture, and language. So it limits that when they're supposed to to employ this. For example, there was a case, just uh, forget the name, where someone was refused employment because of their HIV status. So Mm. they challenged that, look, I'm qualified to do the job, but technically I was not employed because of uh, their HIV status, for example. Mm. Yes. Fantastic. So it means you do have rights as you're sending out your application. You, the, the employers should not discriminate against you unfairly. Yes. So you do have rights. Uh, for example, uh, let me just try to find an easy example. For example, uh, for example, there's a post where you are technically qualified mm. and then you're a black woman mm. and then they employ maybe uh, a white man who has no experience on the job than you do. So mm. technically you can challenge that to say, look, this person had zero experience, zero mm. educational background, but I meet all the requirements in terms of the job description, but I was excluded. Mm. So, for example, that is that will fall definitely under race. Sure. Uh, I like the fact that you tell us what would be the challenge and then how to defend it. So we're not just going to say I'm unfairly discriminated, but not against what criteria. Now let's talk about, you know, when you go for an interview. What happens when you don't receive feedback on your interview? Uh, well, uh, what one would do will just communicate with the recruiter or the employer or whoever mm. was interviewing them to get the feedback from them on why they were not employed. And then they'll give them feedback to say, you lacked here, you didn't have this, you didn't have this. The reason why we didn't employ you is because of this and this. So they do have that right to request a feedback or an outcome on why they were not employed mm. by whoever uh, interviewed them, either the recruiter or the employer. Oh, fantastic. So you have that right. And what happens when the company is no longer talking to you? They're ignoring you or the recruiter. How do I then help get my help so that I can exercise that right? Uh, well, we would need to want to take legal pro- uh, processes. But, uh, for example, you'd have to... D- Remember, a company has policies, right? Mm. Uh, and in technically, especially labor issues, there is an internal process that you need to take first before you go outside. So in terms of that company, they will definitely have a policy to request. How do you then request? You send an email to request the feedback. There's nothing. Then how do you then deal with internally from then? Then you can take it outside. All right. 
Thank you so much. So that's a bit on the interview process. Now, let's talk about when you officially get that letter that says confirmation of employment. What happens when you've signed for X amount? So you signed for 100 rand. But when it's time for them to pay you, they decide, no, we're going to give you 80 rand. What do you do? Uh, Well, when, 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 when you said that, the first thing I thought of is most people don't read the contract. Mm. There's the new thing that it's called all inclusive now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they write one million, and one will divide the one million by twelve, and they will think they'll earn a certain amount, mm. and does not come like that. So one has to also check on the clauses of the of the contract. Is it all inclusive, or that amount is it only for your salary? So if it's all inclusive, it it means it includes all those benefits. So first and foremost, one has to establish the contract that they're in with the employer. What does it say about payment? Mm. Uh, the offer that you receive is it all inclusive or is it direct uh, salary and their benefits thereafter? Mm. Right. Mm. So if then you are promised 100 rand, you're getting 50 bucks. What you can definitely do, number one, uh, that's breach of contract. That's where we start. And then when you breach the contract, then you can come where you have to communicate with the employer uh, about the issue. Remember, everything with labor law starts with the internal process. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you start with the internal process, you communicate with them, you lodge a complaint of the issue that you are having. And then when you fail to resolve it, then that's when you can go outside. Outside could be the bargaining council, could be the CCMA. The issue of the bargaining council, I'm sure we can attend it to late, eat later on why there's a bargaining council and the mm-hmm. CCMA, the difference mm. uh, between that, yes. Mm. Okay, so always you start your matters internally, not I'm going to phone my lawyer first, because you must start your matters internally first. Yes, remember uh, there's a code of conduct in every company, which mm. uh, now shows on how to mm. resolve dispute internally, mm. because some of the issues can be resolved uh, internally before going outside. So that way it minimizes uh, having long court battles or having to go to court with technically something you'll be wasting the court's time or the CCA's time, CCMA's time by going to court other than just resolving them internally. All right. I hear you. So we've addressed the fact that you, sh- you should ask questions. Is it okay to then say, can I please see a dummy pay slip so that I, I see if you've said 100 rand, how did you allocate this 100 rand? Definitely. Uh, most employers usually they, they give you a dummy uh, when signing of the contract or during that process, they give you a timey pay slip to mm. show you how much you technically might take home at the end of the month. Mm. Then you'll be fully aware of how much you're going to earn and uh, what are the deductions thereof. Okay, yes. all right. We are talking to Vusi Suela, who is a lawyer. We're talking about your rights in the workplace. What are your labor rights? What can the employer do? What can the employer not do? What can you do and what can you not do in the workplace as well, ladies and gentlemen? It is 19 minutes past the seven. If you have any questions or comments, we invite you to join in on the conversation. You'll find us on Facebook. The handle is Hope Alive Radio Station. We are on Twitter on Hope Alive underscore radio. And of course, if you want to send us a voice note or a text message, the number is 067-153-1089. You can also call in directly for your legal advice on 010-010-8439. Thank you. So back to you, Vusi. You are saying that we can request a dummy payslip. Issues of asking for, I feel that I can ask them for more money. Is it legal? Is it right? Does it make a bad impression on y- of you if you feel, you know, they're offering 100, but I'd like them to go to 120? Remember, uh, an employment contract is a contract, mm. which technically can be negotiated into. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So technically, when they say hundred bucks, hundred bucks, or you can make an offer. Mm. Yeah, you are allowed to do that because it's a contract. It is not a mandatory thing to say if they give you a hundred rand, you can negotiate. You have a right to negotiate yourself into any contract. But at the end of the day, it's the limit. If the employer says no, I can only afford hundred rand. Mm. At the end of the day, it's either you are willing to take it or not. Okay. What happens when you feel I'm not willing to take this offer? How do I decline the offer so that it doesn't look bad for me as well? (laughs) Well, unfortunately, that will be a personal, uh, based on their personal feelings. You can always decline uh, based on your, you can always give reasons. Mm. Uh, You can always give reasons based on where you're currently working, if you're you're working to say, look, where I'm working at the end of the day, if they're offering 100 rand and you're sitting at 98 rand, you're technically saying maybe in three months' time, I will get an increase, which is going to be the same amount which you're offering. For me to move, therefore, you must give me reason to do that. So maybe that's when, if you guys don't agree, they will understand that there would be no need for you to come to them than staying where you are because you might be earning more later or not. All right. So we've spoken about your rights when you are trying to get employment. We've touched on you getting the contract. Now we want to take things a little bit deeper and talk about the workplace in itself because we know that there are quite a lot of challenges that emanate from the workplace. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about management or supervisor relationships. You know, often I hear people say, my supervisor wants me to do him a favor in order for me to progress at work. Is that right? But remember, let's look at what kind of a faith mm. are we are we talking about? I think you need to be clear mm. because, for example, uh, someone can still ask you a favor based on the work that you're doing. Sure. But as a try, as a way of trying to be nice. So, mm. so what kind of favors are you referring to? Let's uh, so that I can attend to it uh, properly. So perhaps let's break it down. So. Maybe your supervisor gives you extra work and they, they're just asking, you know, please, can you do me a favor? Can you do this additional report? It's not in your job scope, but you want to help out. Is that right? Well, I will, from an employer's side, definitely, I would definitely say it's right. Because remember, they, they ask you a question during an interview. Are you willing to work under pressure? And you say, yes, I'm mm-hmm. willing. Yes. So that's the under pressure, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That one has to put. But uh, it depends on the environment that you're working in. Uh, personally, I think there will be no problem because you're working as a team. And if you want to build an organization that you're you are working for, definitely you can help one another. For example, there will be a day where you can't go to work and you will need someone to submit a similar report for you when you're not there. So for for one, or for people to work together, I think, yeah, it's not a legal issue. It's just a teamwork issue that one has to do to build the institution that they're working for. Now let's advance this favors. Somebody then says, okay, I will give you a promotion provided we can go away for a weekend. Why is that? Is that statement problematic? And if so, why? Oh, yes. uh, Because now it's no longer Mm work-related. It includes what I'll technically say, obviously, when you go on a holiday for sexual whatever. So, yeah, no, that falls under unfailable practice unfortunately because mm-hmm. now somebody's being harassed whatever what then now you're going to do on a holiday it's outside the scope of why you're employed mm. uh, at that specific company to do certain duties so when you now start doing to do other things therefore the either the manager or the supervisor now will be conducting what we call unfair labor practice unfortunately and and how do you address an unfair labor practice where would you go uh, i'll still go back to the 
company policy which outlines how do you lodge a grievance within an institution. Mm. So you need to follow that process. Uh, for example, if uh, you are harassed by your supervisor, then you cannot go to him to lodge a complaint. Mm. You need to make, for example, a report to the manager uh, about the incident. And I always advise, don't do it verbally because mm. people will always refuse. It will be your, your weight against theirs. Sure. So I'll always advise for people to write an email about the complaint. At least there'll be a trail of what you have mm. done to, to lodge a complaint. So sure, sure. when you fail to get help within the organization, so when you go outside to get help, you have supporting evidence to say, look, I tried to lodge a grievance, mm. uh, but I was not assisted. It could be via WhatsApp, it could be via email, but I really advise email because at least it's more uh, professional in that way. So, so you can use WhatsApp to raise a complaint in the workplace? Well, remember, law works with evidence. For example, mm. if you have a work WhatsApp group where sure. you talk about work, so surely you can also lodge a grievance. Like I'm saying, it depends on the policies of the company mm. that mm. you can you can definitely use. Because remember, the issue is to communicate. Mm. Either you can send a fax, as long as your manager can get it, it could be a call. As long as what you're doing, which I'll always prove, there's a trail of evidence to show that you did lodge a grievance. Because mm. you're sitting in money situations where client will go and report Mm. to the manager, only to find that the manager and the supervisor are friends. Mm. So technically, they won't, even if they don't do anything, you have nothing to trail what you have been doing as lodging mm. of complaints. Mm. Yeah. So later on, we're going to talk about once the internal process does not materialize, yes. where do you take the matters externally? So if you have any questions along those lines, do send them, do stay put. We are going to get to those as well. It is 25 minutes past seven. We're talking about your labor rights in the workplace with our attorney, uh, Vusi Suela. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to engage with us or join the conversation, you can WhatsApp us. You can send us a voice note on 067-153-1089. You can send us a tweet on Hope Alive underscore radio. And of course, if you are on Facebook, you'll find us at Hope Alive Radio Station. If you want to call us for a direct uh I want to say legal advice. The number is 010-010-8439. So you spoke about WhatsApp and social media. And often we find in the workplace, yes. we're all in the WhatsApp group. It's for work purposes. Yes. Suddenly, I take your number and I start messaging you privately on the WhatsApp group. Hi, how are you? How's your day? I'm just checking up on you. Now, it's a man-to-female relationship, female or female messaging a man. W what happens when somebody says, okay, but I want to raise a complaint. I didn't ask for this. Is it allowed? Because all of our numbers were there on the WhatsApp groups. So it's not like I took it from somewhere else. Yeah, before I respond, even female-to-female. Female, yes. Male-to-male. It depends mm. on, the, on the relation. So, look, uh, somebody could be texting you, for example, for pure intentions, not to advance anything. Mm -hmm. For example, that I'm saying hi, uh, please let my boss know that I'm not coming to work. I can't find him on the phone when I call him. Okay. If it's pure, I don't think there's a problem. And also, if the person does not feel like it's pure, you can just communicate with the person to say, look, I don't like you texting me in private. Mm. Stop it. Then if that doesn't stop, then you have a, the same internal process. Can be able to lodge the grievance to what to your superiors, your supervisor, your manager to say, look, I have communicated with this person not to communicate with me because it's not comfortable, mm. right? And then they will follow the internal processes. Thank you. Now you know I, I'm I'm going on WhatsApp because we're seeing a lot of interaction on WhatsApp. Somebody posts something on their status, and status has a time when you posted it. Yeah. Yet I reported that I'm not well. You see my status. 
and suddenly now there's questions that you're asking. Well, why is the issue of the status so problematic? Or maybe I post a comment about my manager in my language. Yes. And my manager is speaking English. Maybe that's their first language. But I post it in my own language to say, you know, so-and-so is one, two, three, four, five. Why is it problematic? Because it's on my WhatsApp status. <laughs> we get that a lot. And some people got fired from their jobs because of that. Mm. Remember, uh, whatever you do reflects back to the the employer mm, for mm. example uh i'll rather use the pastor because it's, he won't catch feelings so imagine the pastor now you find him he's working employed by hope minister uh, hope and you find him in a strip club mm. what is going to, what that is going to ruin the image of the organization mm, right mm. so if you are sitting with an employee who says bad about the employer mm. therefore it reflects badly on the image of the employer for example, if um, we had sponsors here who don't believe, for example, in, in, in rapes cases mm. technically, and then the pastor has the same allegation, those guys will not want to sponsor the church anymore because mm. of how the, the the image was painted about the church from mm. the pastor. Mm. So you may so technically you are removing. You might have your comment might be sitting in a way that your boss or your employer might lose business or client or have a bad sure. reputation based on what you have said in a social media platform. And you, you're saying that people have become f fired for that. So yeah, Definitely. Why should you keep someone like that? If I lose a one billion rand deal because of someone who said something that I'm not, mm. then you're affecting business. Why are you still there? So the advice to employees would be be careful what you put on social media. Yes, because it's very important. Whatever you say in the public public platform might affect your employer. Mm. Take also some to an extent where some the way you behave might also Im affect your employer on their reputation. Okay, the way I behave. So I went to go watch the game. My team lost and I suddenly decided to behave <laughs> badly on social media. It's, it's, it's my, my employer is not related to soccer, though. Exactly. And I'm saying, whatever you do, you must look at on how it reflects to your employer. How does that affect the image of the employer? Mm. For example, you cannot say you're divorcing and then it will affect your employer. Okay. Exactly. It does not affect your employer in any case. Okay. Because you're just divorcing, you run out of love, you didn't run out of your love for work, for example, if I can say it like that. All right. So this issue of social media is, is quite a loaded one because... Sometimes I might say, but I was offloading. You know, Facebook, my followers, they will give me care. They, they will send me nice messages. So that's why I put that message, not to hurt my employer's image. For example, if you say, hey, my boss is a fraudster. Mm. You're putting it there to say he's a fraudster. That traumatizes me. Mm. So if my clients see that, mm. they will start wondering if their money is being chowed or not. If their money is safe with this boss who exactly. is a fraudster. Exactly. So okay. Uh, so I just like try to give you that practical, practical example that technically if I have someone, for example, if I'm transferring a house worth 10 million and someone has transferred 10 million in my account and my, my the guys in the office say, no, this guy is a fraudster. Surely that guy will be shaking on his knees, fearing for his ten million rent. Mm. So perhaps I shouldn't. You shouldn't write your boss as a froster. Maybe I had a bad day at work and and not say anything <laughs> about your boss. <laughs> to be clear, because we don't want to be called afterwards. And, and I'm saying whatever you do, 
the the primary issue is to make sure or to check how does that reflect on the image of the employer when you're outside of your employment. Yeah. Yes. I like that question. Always ask yourself if it's going to reflect negatively on your employer. Yes. You're in danger. Don't do it. Yeah, don't do that. Okay. So let's talk about um, harassment at work. And, and sometimes we think harassment is only sexual, all right? We know that there is sexual harassment, and we'd love for you to unpack what is sexual harassment and then what other kinds of harassment would we find in the workplace? I think sexual harassment would be the last one. Okay. <laughs> Let me uh, well, obviously, there's uh, shouting. Mm. Uh, there's maybe, which I believe it falls under verbal uh, mm. harassment. There's pushing. Pushing. Yeah, so somebody can push you at work. Yeah, for example, someone who can push you at work. Someone sure. It, like there are so many things. Technically, harassment, it's, for me, I define it as whatever it's done that makes them the next person not to be comfortable at work. Mm -hmm. Therefore, that falls under harassment. Mm, mm. Because now, if I am not going to be able to function to the best of my capacity or my ability, therefore, well, for me, that would definitely fall under harassment so uh, I think the the crucial one that people face at work is sexual harassment so sexual harassment is <laughs> it's not only about touching and uh, proposing sexual or kissing and whatnot as long as what you do people know what they're doing is wrong at the end of the day no matter how we can define it uh, what you do to make the next person not to be comfortable either by looking at them or... So even looking? Uh, obviously, you know, there's a certain look where so someone looks at you and they, like, color you, like, you see, like, this guy. Even this girl. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> is looking at you in a certain way that you're not comfortable. Mm, mm. And therefore, uh, it will fall under sexual harassment. Okay. Yeah, but my issue is, as long as the next person is not comfortable on how you treat them at the workplace, therefore... Uh, for me to fall under sexual harassment. But people must not exaggerate this thing. Okay. Sometimes if someone is just friendly and pure, but at the end of the day, even if you're friendly, there should be limits to that friendliness. Okay. Now, I, I like how you've defined harassment, that it's about how it makes the other person feel. So, again, WhatsApp, people are sharing memes, and then there's a meme that is below the belt that is shared. We don't have those kind of conversations. Can somebody say, this meme harassed me? It, I, was, I felt sexually harassed by this. Well, for me, like I'm saying, it depends, right? That's a, such a lawyer's answer, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> because for to, to you, it might be a, a fun joke. To the next person, it might not be. So, hence communication remain, it remains the bottom line. right? And at the workplace, at the end of the day, we have matured people who know what is wrong and what is right. So the, f the greatest thing at work is to always check, if I do this to the next person, how are they going to feel? If it was also when you, if sub someone is supposed to send the same thing to me, how am I supposed to feel? Uh, no matter how people will try to define this thing, to say, no, I didn't, but the issue is how the next person feels at work. The, at the end of the day, people have anxiety of a lot of things, and they're triggered by a lot of things based on their personal experiences. So this harassment, in most cases, will arise based on how the person feels and their anxieties and their problems and their issues and their fears also. Yes. All right. 
We're learning, we're learning with our resident lawyer, Vusi Suela. We're talking all things labor. What are your rights in the workplace? What are the do's and don'ts that you need to be aware of? The time right now is 36 minutes past 7. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have any questions or comments, you can engage with us on 067-153-1089. You can send us a voice note or a WhatsApp message or a text message as well. You can also find us on Hope Alive underscore radio. That's our Twitter handle. And if you're on Facebook, you'll find us on Hope Alive radio station to share a comment or a question. If you would like on site right now live counseling, you can call us on 010-010-8439. Let us assist you on your labor matters. So moving on, so you, you mentioned earlier on that we always approach it with the internal processes. This yeah. Is it the same process you would follow if you find yourself in a situation where you feel I'm being harassed. You spoke about the bullying, the shouting, the pushing, and the sexual harassment as well. You still follow the internal processes. What is it that you do? Do I send an email? Do I send a WhatsApp? What do I do and to who? Uh, it, it will always come back to the setup of the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, the, for me, the bigger the, the organization, then the different processes would have to follow. Uh, for some, for example, in a bigger institution, they will have a department which is HR, and specific people will deal with internal grievance that you could lodge the grievance to, or they have their own processes to say if you have this grievance, this is how you lodge it. This is the process that you need to follow. Uh, yeah, so every institution will have a code of conduct or the process on how to do things. So it would differ from the organization uh, based on how they have channeled or structured the organization to attend to certain issues. What happens if somebody wants to raise an issue, but they're afraid that they'll be victimized, that you spoke out against this person? I don't want to use the term they use in the streets, but what happens if I fear that I would even be in more danger of more harassment if I was to raise this issue? Uh, Well, at the end of the day, things need to be done. Uh, we cannot, unfortunately, have an excuse to do things because of, yeah, we need to uh, address issues as they are. Because if you f- skip some of the processes that you need to follow in terms of the law, therefore, there's a saying that ignorance of the law is not an excuse. So it won't be an excuse to say, it, w- it won't be an excuse for you to say, no, I was scared, but you still need to follow processes, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, which will then have to be legal processes for you to, for, for your issues to be attended to. Mm. We need to follow the legal processes. We need to follow uh, those processes, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I read a quote that said, uh, the silence of good people is worse than the actions of evil people. <laughs> so because if you keep quiet, it will continue to perpetuate. Definitely. So people just need to communicate, unfortunately. Uh, in most cases, if you're not comfortable, uh, just find someone who could assist you or have a witness when, you, when you're lodging this complaint or someone you can trust. Uh, in some cases, they have stewards in these organizations from different unions. Yeah, If the organization allows them, then you can use that process to, to, to lodge a complaint. But uh, being quiet or being scared, unfortunately, will not resolve the issues that are before you as an employee. Sure. Thank you so much. So let's talk about the disciplinary code, you know. Um, if I say I didn't know the code, I didn't know that there was such a rule that existed, yet I've been in the company for five years, is that a valid reason? Could I 
be exempted from being disciplined because no one has actually shown me a physical disciplinary code. Like I said, ignorance of the law is not an excuse. Uh, well, it's your duty as an employee to know the regulations and the code of conduct of the company. Mm. So you being ignorant of those would not be an excuse at all, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And, and I've heard arguments to say the longer you are in service, the more you should have known the rule. Exactly. And I'm saying, I, I didn't want to go into deep into that, but because we'll give people room to get to workplaces and not read the code of conduct mm. and relax and later they're in trouble. Mm. Unfortunately, there won't be an excuse at the end of the day. So it does not mm. matter if in day one or day 350, the mandate is that you must know the rules and the regulations of the organization you're working for. Because okay. you might be sitting with rules and regulations that are against the law at the end of the day. Mm. So without you realizing, therefore, you might be even end up doing things that are not supposed to be done. Mm. And I should ask for them to say, can you show me the code of conduct and not wait till a mistake happens? Definitely. And most, most employers send you the code of conduct when you get to work because they know you are required to have them. So in most cases, day one, it's welcoming ceremonies and well, what, 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 you'll have your code of conduct. Some even send you after signing the contract and then they give you the code of conduct. Mm. It will be for you to read it on. If they don't give it to you, then you can request. Yeah. And you know, the Bible says, can two or more walk together unless they agree? You must know what you're agreeing to it and ask, what is the code of conduct in this organization? Exactly. And I'm saying that you might find yourself agreeing uh, to code of, or doing code of conduct or certain regulations within the organization, which are even against uh, the law on its Mm. own. Yeah, so it's, very advisable for you to know the code of conduct and the regulations of the company. So we talk about the term progressive discipline. So does it mean you make one mistake and you are out? You don't have a job anymore. What is progressive discipline? Uh, well, it's technically set in four, four, like four structures, okay. right? Or four steps, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, uh, when you do something wrong, well, it will depend also on how big. Uh, the mistake or the misconduct is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but let's take it in a easy way so that I'm able to explain the four steps yeah. uh, properly. So, number one, you will have what we call verbal warning. So, mm-hmm. your manager or your supervisor will call you uh, to warn you of what you have done uh, and reprimand you from that and you're allowed to give feedback and communicate with them and then you guys will have a way forward properly. So, but usually now employers also have maybe a template where you will sign that you have verbally warned. Because some people will refuse to say, no, I was never warned. So now employers have set up a system to say, you are also acknowledged that you are warned on this day verbally. Okay. Right? And then you would move to what we call written warning. Mm-hmm. So if, for example, you same mistake you're repeating again, mm-hmm. and then now they'll put it uh, formally. It's a written warning that you get to technically reprimand you from your misconduct or your mistake in that case and that if you fail to improve then that's when they'll issue a suspension then they'll call you to say no you're suspended uh for maybe 10 days and they'll give you conditions to that if you're going to be paid if you won't be paid on your days of suspension and whatnot and whatnot and then this will then have to give an employer time to investigate your 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 grievance or your issue mm. your misconduct mm. so after then then they'll call you for for hearing mm. to say uh this is the hearing they charge you they give you 
maybe they'll charge you to say whatever the reason would be. Maybe if you wasted ten rand, they'll say, okay, you have to pay then the ten rand back. For I'm just giving an example. Uh, and then from there, if you don't change, then it's the red card. Yeah. What is a red card in your <laughs> employment? <laughs> yeah, then you're dismissed. But also, most employers also follow the same system of suspending you, investigation, and you come back for hearing, and then the outcome will there be there to say you are given a final final warning or whatever the decision the organization will take in regards to that issue. So you speak about a written warning. How long can a written warning be valid for? Well, it d- depends. I don't. I don't to 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 lie. Uh, it some some are not time framed. Some just like don't ever do this again. Mm. Or they. It will depend on the employer on what kind of written warning they put on the conditions mm. on 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 the written warning that you you have. For example, if someone is coming late and then they give you a written warning, we're like, gonna never come late again. Maybe for six months. Mm. But the employer will never say never come back. They'll never be late for six months because they never want you to be late ever again. They want mm. you in time at work. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm. And and final written warning, um, I know that there are some that are 12 months, valid for 12 months. Yeah. Final written warning, it's final. And then they tell you that don't do anything wrong within this period. But the issue with with, with this warning, it's dependent on the employer and the punishment mm. and also mm. on the uh, regulations and the code of conduct that yeah. the employer has put yeah. uh, also looking at the roles of these people. Sure, sure. Yeah. And I like how you said the code of conduct would, would um, help you to see the kind of serious cases that yeah, definitely. are there. Yeah, so on the code of conduct they'll outline technically everything. If you commit this offence, the likelihood of the charges that are going to get at this, like that, like that. And they al- also explain on verbal warning, this is how it sits. And then on written warning, they'll explain, this is what we could charge you for. It doesn't have to be money. So it could be anything as long as it's within a reasonable uh, punishment, if I can put it like that. So in the code of conduct, they put all these things. So I don't want to be specific because someone will say, my workplace is not done like that. It's Mm. done like this. So Mm. it will also depend on the code of conduct that the employer has set, which people need to read and familiarize themselves with the basic condition. Condition Act to check if this condition are fair. Conditions are fair. Yeah. And you touch on something there because I know the law says that we're not going to prescribe how how you set your code of conduct. We just ask you to be consistent. So even if I say no, but my company doesn't do that, that means I'm not an, I'm okay. But if the company says this is our rules and we consistently apply them, you have to comply. Definitely. And I'm saying it is more important to check the code of conduct mm. of your workplace mm. and familiarize yourself with those which is going to be much easier for, for, for you. And I always and then my other issue is that when you know the code of conduct and then you have to go back to the basic condition act to check if this code of conduct or these punishments that yeah. I'm supposed to get at work are they illegal, are they yes. fair? Because and then the, a, a, an employer will put an unreasonable condition. Mm. But if you are not aware of it, you might mm. find yourself being dismissed for things that you're not supposed to be dismissed for sure, or sure. you receiving a final warning in cases where you're not supposed to yeah. in terms of the basic condition act and it's all about just getting the right knowledge and, and knowing what questions to ask so you spoke about uh, hearing let's talk about hearings you know can somebody say now you're going to a hearing let's go to the boardroom now no they can't uh for example if you did something wrong now mm. then the employer must investigate that mm. 
uh, after investigating, they must give you enough time mm. uh, for you to come for a hearing. Mm-hmm. And then mostly uh, should be at least within 24 hours before the day. So the employer cannot tell you two minutes before, an hour before. Mm. They need to give you sufficient time mm. for you to also prepare because when you're going to hearing, it's like you're putting your own case to the table. Mm. Yes. And in a hearing, can I bring my lawyer? Can I bring you to say, Vusikam, Nabang, Shasela? I would say no and yes at the same time. Uh, well, it's not recommended. There is no need. Mm. Uh, but if the employer approves mm. that you need to bring a legal representative, then you can. Yeah. Uh, it's subject to the uh, employer's approval. Yeah. Uh, but in most cases, uh, you bring your union members to represent you or your colleague, they can do that. Mm. Or definitely you can represent yourself. Yourself. And I know they'll say it's an internal matter. That's why the lawyer is not needed. Exactly. And I'm saying unless if the employer has approved yeah. that the lawyer can come through, then definitely they can. Okay. And and the charges would be pre You've received the charges before. So you can't get charged for stealing a pineapple. Then when you get there, actually, we're talking about absenteeism. Yes, so when they give you a notice to come for hearing, mm-hmm. they will outline your charges there. Okay. So you're fully aware what you're being charged for, and then you can prepare for that. So uh, if another charge will arise during the, the proceedings, therefore that's what you're supposed to attend to, to say, do you, are you ready to attend it today? Or for this charge that arose from this hearing, we can get it, we can do it on another day. Mm. So if you agree that you must proceed, then they can proceed. Okay. In an instance where something, because some, in some instances they will realize, no, you didn't only steal five rand, you also stole archer, mm. for example. So then if they have to attend to that part, mm. then yes, you can agree. Or if you are not comfortable, then they should set up another for another hearing for that new specific offense that they're charging you with. And if somebody says, you know, I, I don't know what happens in a hearing, I've never been here, is it okay to say, please pause, I'd like to consult i can't bring my lawyer but i'd like to just make a phone call just to make sure i'm on the right page and and get a second opinion so you don't sit in a a hearing and then three hours later no i actually could have gotten a second opinion on this uh you can uh but remember you're given sufficient time you're given sufficient time it means you are supposed to prepare Mm. so you have that time where you're supposed to prepare and everything and most employers have their in their code of conduct they have that part of what happens in the hearing mm. uh, and how is it going to unfold so mm. that you, you have an idea. But legally, you can consult any time you want to. Mm. But if you are given sufficient time for you to prepare, you can't come on that day to say, I'm not ready, I need to mm. do one, two, three. Mm. Unless otherwise, you have uh, sufficient reason uh, for you to bring to the table on why you're not ready. Mm. For example, you got your, 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 your notice 48 hours before, mm. but you were sick. Mm. Uh, you are admitted in hospital. That, that is acceptable for mm. you not to be ready to prepare mm. uh, on the day of a hearing. Fantastic. We're talking about your rights in the workplace. What are your labor rights? It is 51 minutes past seven. Look at that. Time flies. We've got Vusi Suela here, our lawyer. And we've got about three or four questions left before we wrap up the show. So stay tuned. We're now going to talk about externally um, referring your matter if it has not been dealt with internally. If you have a question or a comment, do engage with us on 067-153-1089. You can send us a voice note right there. So let's talk about the CCMA, you mentioned bargaining councils earlier on. When does the person approach those institutions? Uh, so when you have failed to get help internally, mm-hmm. uh, be it 
unfair labor practice, be it sexual harassment, be it whatever case it may be, or you're unfairly dismissed, doesn't matter. I don't, I don't want to look at a specific thing. Mm. Then if you have been failed there, mm. then that's when you go outside. It could be the CCMA, it could be the bargaining council. Mm -hmm. So the CCMA has jurisdiction in terms of what to hear, what not to hear. Mm. And the bargaining council are mostly designed to look at specific uh, types of employment. Mm -hmm. So there's a bargaining council, for example, trucks. Mm. Uh, there's a bargaining council, for example, uh, government employees. Mm. And then so forth. So the bargaining council are different to look at different types of employment settings. Mm. And then the CCMA technically it's like the, the bigger umbrella of uh, the outsider. So when you're failed at work and then you move to the CCMA or the bargaining council to attend to your issues and then if you don't get help there or you're not satisfied with the outcome there, that's when you move to the labor court. Okay. And who's paying for all of this? Uh, internally, mm -hmm. you don't pay, obviously. Mm -hmm. So when you go out to the bargaining council or CCMA, you could appoint your, you could still be represented by your union mm -hmm. uh, at the CCMA. Mm -hmm. or you could be represented by a lawyer at the CCMA or the bargaining council also. But when you go to the labor court, uh, the union falls away and they need to instruct an, uh, a lawyer to do it. Mm. Yes. Okay. So CCMA, you can go for any matter. And that's that's when you have tried out internally. You haven't received any joy. And if the CCMA, you're not happy with the outcome. You speak about an outcome. What processes happen at the CCMA? Is it another hearing? Yes, it's another hearing uh, that you're going into, uh, which then will be chaired by the commissioner at the CCMA. Mm -hmm. And then when you go for a hearing, you would present your, your evidence. Both parties will have a right to do that. And then the commissioner will then have to give an outcome. So when you're not happy with the outcome from the CCMA, then you have to take the next step to the labor court. All right. There are three reasons that a person can be dismissed or your contract can end or your services can be terminated. What are those three? Uh, <laughs> the problem is difficult to answer in a clear question. So you need to be more clear. So, so there are three, maybe let's put it this way. There are three reasons that a, a person's services can be terminated. Yes. Ill health, incapacity, okay. retrenchment, and misconduct. Yes. Tell us, please, those three. Okay. Um, let's start with the retrenchment. Retrenchment is a process where an employer cuts employees. It could be for economical uh, reasons or restructuring or technological reasons. Uh, for example, let me just give an example. Economical, it's when they're having financial issues in the, in the company and they need to cut on costs. So they will have to ret uh, retrench certain people uh, for that. And then when it's uh, technological, it's uh, it's when our technology is in place, therefore we don't need people. Uh, I don't want to use. There are some fast restaurants where now you order on the machine. Mm. Well, I will not say anything further than that. Mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, so definitely that might lead to people being retrenched because mm. definitely you don't need someone to order anymore. Mm. You just click, and the guy at the back will have to mm. do it for you. Mm. Um, and then we have structure. It's when they are restructuring the company. Mm. Right, to say, okay, we are restructuring, we don't need this department anyway. Technically, it's not doing things, so they cut it off to say this department will attend to these issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then this, so it's like structural is like you're restructuring the whole company, the setting mm -hmm. of, of departments and whatnot, you're restructuring that. So you're cutting maybe departments 
uh, which you believe they're not in good deeds. But uh, most sure, due to time, uh, there are processes and steps that you need to follow for retrenchment. But I will not look into that. But yeah, there are steps that one needs to, co- the employer must communicate uh, with the employees. There need to be processes that need to be followed. And then incapacity, uh, it's just like when somebody's sick or they can't work anymore due to ill health. So the employer will then have to assess on how maybe to assist this employee on how this is a temporal or a permanent problem. And then they have to see on how they deal with it. Unfortunately, if they can't find any solution, then they have to uh, dismiss you. But it is uh, the incapacity for people who are interested in reading uh, will be sitting at, uh, in terms of the act... I love how you keep referring to the acts. You're not just telling us things that we yeah, already hear. Yeah, because you know? next thing, next thing, like ah, this guy's lying. Yeah, in terms of the act, the people should go to the Labor Relations Act, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, Section 10 and 11, then they'll be able to assist. I'm not sure about the sections, but yeah, in terms of the Labor Relations Act, there is uh, incapacity and ill health that they deal with it there on what are the requirements and the processes that they need to follow. I'm just trying to be quick due to time. No so. problem. Misconduct, you've spoken about that uh, with the code. Yeah, yeah the disciplinary code and the, the final written warning, a hearing. So that one you've covered. Yeah, I've covered already. So due to time, unless, so misconduct is when you're fired for doing wrong things at work. Mm. So you can be dismissed for that. And and some offenses you could be dismissed immediately. Yeah, some offenses you could be uh, dismissed immediately, unfortunately. Uh, I don't want to give, a, for example, if, you still 10 billion of the company, so technically you, there is no hearing. You just need to, to be dismissed. It's, um, for example, uh, also depending on the code of conduct of the company and how, what they ca- they can't take into looking at the to, to the laws also. Sure. So they would still conduct a hearing, but the outcome would well most depends. likely That's be a dismissal. Saying, I don't want to 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 be certain about issues because organizations are different yeah. and they literally have the extreme parts of it to say if this you do this is extreme then you can go. Sure. Vusi, where can people approach your company for legal assistance? Uh oh this for after this they pay, ne? Yeah, yeah, no no. <laughs> this was to show them that you're learned, you know your stuff, but now after this they're consulting. Yeah, no problem. Uh, they can call us uh, or find us in Pretoria or send an email to info at suelaartinist.co.za or send me an email at vusi at suelaartinist.co.za. So it's either info, info, it's I-N-F-O at, my surname is S-U-W-E-L-A and then artinist.co.za uh, or they can call our office at zero one two zero two three zero five eight one or send us a WhatsApp on zero six four five two one zero six one nine. WhatsApp, phone, email. This is legal advice coming straight to you. A young man who wants to make a difference, share his knowledge, and also employ people and change the status of this nation. We trust you've been blessed. You've been uplifted by this session. And now you're in a better position to conduct yourself at work. And also, no, expect more from your employer because you are well aware of the You are listening to Hope Alive. Streaming live from Hope Restoration Ministries, Kempton Park, South Africa.